This program is brought to you by SoundsTrue.com. At SoundsTrue.com, you can find hundreds of downloadable audio learning programs, plus books, music, videos, and online courses and events. At SoundsTrue.com, we think of ourselves as a trusted partner on the spiritual journey, offering diverse, in-depth, and life-changing wisdom. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. You're listening to a special edition of Insights at the Edge. This edition features a dialogue between Sandra Ingerman and Marie Monicherry. Sandra teaches workshops internationally on shamanic journeying, healing, and reversing environmental pollution using spiritual methods. With Sounds True, Sandra has published the books Shamanic Journeying, A Beginner's Guide, and Awakening to the Spirit World, The Shamanic Path of Direct Revelation. She's also published many audio programs with Sounds True, including a new series on shamanic visioning. Marie Manusheri is a nationally known energy intuitive and Reiki master who first discovered her gifts for energetic healing while working as a registered oncology nurse. With Sounds True, Marie has published a book on intuitive self-healing and an audio program on how to communicate with your spirit guides. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Sandra and Marie talked about their own initial experiences meeting spirit guides. They also talked about how they each work with spirit guides in healing. And finally, they offered advice and recommendations, even for skeptics who might want to connect with their own spirit guides. Here's my conversation with Sandra Ingerman and Marie Monasheri. To begin with, and I think this will help orient our listeners to each of your perspectives, really, on this question of what are spirit guides, I'm wondering if you could each tell us how you first experienced a meeting with a spirit guide in your life. Whoever wants to go first. Marie, go ahead. (laughs) Okay. Uh, actually, it was during a meditation, and I really didn't even know what a spirit guide was. Somehow, I had uh, missed that type of information in my childhood readings of spirituality some, for some odd reason. But I was in a meditation, and uh, it was a very vivid. I'm, very, um, I'm such a visual person, person that the meditation was alive outside near a creek and a gorgeous northwest forest. And I was walking along this creek, and... Um, a man appeared on the other side of this small creek. He was actually kind of handsome, looks like Sean Connery a little bit. (laughs) And um, he just started talking with me, and it was clear that he seemed to know a lot about me, even things that I felt were quite secret even to myself that I had an awareness of, but I hadn't really dove deeply into. And uh, the meditation lasted for about 45 minutes with a lot of... um, conversation, he explained to me that he he was, he didn't really use the word spirit, but more about a guide, um, and uh, introduced himself. And um, so that's how it began for me. Now, Marie, just to ask a question about that before we turn it over to Sandra here, why did you think that wasn't just some kind of imaginative experience or, you know, some kind of visionary experience? How did you know you were actually meeting a guide, quote unquote? Well, it's true. I, you know, from his conversation, especially the depths about how much he thing, how many things he knew about me, he even showed me aspects of my past lives. I mean, it was a really detailed, um, and it was like a movie. You're absolutely right. When I got off the phone, I called um, a person who I had become friends with in a meditation group. I tried for years to meditate, and I was very unsuccessful at it. And I was finally taking classes. And um, so I called this woman and to ask her what she thought of it, because I thought it was very odd and peculiar, also very comforting and enjoyable. And she goes, oh, that's a spirit guide. I go, what? And the fact that she had mentioned the term spirit guide and he had said guide, to me that was a confirmation, um, the beginnings of me understanding the relationship between our human life and world and guides who are available to us. 
Okay, let's turn it over to you, Sandra. Um, it's kind of a difficult question in a lot of ways of when I first started meeting spirit guides because I was talking to spirits um, even when I was a little kid growing up in Brooklyn and had a real relationship with um, the spirit that lived in, in the trees and the moon and the birds and different animals. And from a shamanic point of view, uh, nature is a helping spirit, so we can have direct revelation with nature. And I started pretty young. Um, oftentimes people think that I started getting into shamanic work and working with spiritual guides because I was hit by lightning when I was seven and had my first near-death experience then. But I was talking to spirits way before I got hit by lightning. It just um, was just another part of my path that took me out a little bit further. And through my life, I had a variety of different spirits coming in. And I've always been a real dreamer and have met uh, lots of different spirits in my night dreams. As a child, I got an incredible amount of guidance in my dreams from different guides coming through. And then in, in 1980, I had um, just the profound experience of being formally introduced to shamanic journeying where one um, from uh, at when one wants to in my life, it wasn't that I always asked for guidance. It just kind of came. I didn't have a real disciplined path. My uh, spirituality and working with guides was um, felt a little bit chaotic to me. I didn't have a real uh, discipline to follow. I never knew when I was going to get guidance or when I was going to meet different um, spirit helpers coming through. And in 1980, I got introduced to the formal practice of shamanic journeying where I started to learn at will how to make contact with different spiritual helpers, different guides, um, uh, different guardian spirits, and continued my practice of direct revelation with nature, but learned how to develop my line of questioning and healing abilities and uh, what to do with that information. And again, I keep repeating the word discipline, but it was real important to me personally to uh, find a very grounded and disciplined path to be able to follow um, my spiritual process. Now, one thing I'm curious about is sometimes when people talk about spirit guides, they sound like beings that are outside of us, like another person or someone you would you would meet that would be, oh, they would tell you things you couldn't have known otherwise. And other times I, I've heard people talk about spirit guides and it's more like some higher dimension of one's own knowing. And I'm wondering how you each think about that. Do you know what I mean? Is this a force that's yeah. sort of outside of the person that's really like a different being or more some higher frequency that's part of the person? Well, for me personally, it's really both. Um, and in in some of my writings, I, I write about that in and out are the same. <laughs> and what I mean by that is uh, from a shamanic point of view, from an ancient shamanic point of view, which dates back over 100,000 years, one can look at our spirit helpers, these spirit guides, as um, um, a part of non-ordinary reality or a dream time or of another dimension of beings who can give us guidance and a different perspective on what's going on in our life. But I also feel at the same time that Shamans developed a very deep and rich inner world, which was what created so much um, health and joy for many of the different shamans around the world doing work. And so for me personally, my journey has been about as an ego, as Sandy, um, I oftentimes need to think that there's a spirit helper outside of me that's giving guidance in my life. 
But I also have the realization that all that wisdom is coming through me at the same time. And sometimes for my own egoic personality needs, I need to project it onto an outside force that provides some kind of comfort. There's this outside force that's taking care of me and watching out um, for my well-being and safety. And at the same time, I know it's me. So um, for me, I I actually don't um, analyze it too much because I realize it's both. And and it's just about what my personality needs at a given time in my life of how much comfort I need to feel around me. And as I evolve more and more with my practice, I find myself needing less to be relying on feeling that there are spirit helpers around me, but trusting my own innate wisdom and that guidance that's coming um, through me. And and that's a place where now I'm getting comfort to be able to trust in myself the same way I used to trust in my spirit helpers. Interesting. Interesting to think about that progression throughout your life. Marie, what what about you? Do you experience yeah, spirit yeah, guides outside? Yeah, I would agree that. Yeah, I inside? do. I experience them outside, um, especially when in my my soul, I kind of look at it, wants to get my attention, and I'm feeling detached or disconnected or scared or perhaps um, um, ungrounded, maybe even so. I, I think that when we look at our connection to the unseen world or even the world that's right here with us, the world of nature, which is very alive and has many ways that we can access information. That's really what we're looking for is how can we access information that we can feel confident about, that we can trust, that's accessible to us. And there are multiple ways to do it. And some days we may feel so warm and delicious with our internal world that nothing can stop us from retrieving the, the most amazing answers and support. And some days it's kind of like taking yoga. You can do downward dog perfectly fine. And other days you may feel that your hamstrings are too strong and that um, having a visual or an auditory sense or even a physical sensation from something outside of you is more comforting. Um, Everything is really communicating to us. Spirit is in everything, even in the computer that I'm looking into right now. Um, Spirit is in all things. And um, sometimes we find more comfort. Like I, I love having the comfort in the, the guides to, that look like humans to me. I don't necessarily see animals, even when I look at other people's spirit guides, but I happen to be madly in love with the human race. So there's that comfort in looking in, you know, what looks like human eyeballs and hair and, uh, you know, garments that allows me to feel more at peace and um, serene and comfortable. But yes, all of it's there for us all the time if we would just only allow ourselves to be open and accepting of our our preciousness. Now, it's interesting that you both used this word of comfort, spirit guides offering a certain amount of comfort. And I certainly can imagine somebody thinking, well, yeah, people make up their spirit guides because it makes them feel comfortable because humans are just terrified of, you know, being here and how limited we feel and how insecure we are. And so, yeah, it's really comforting to think, uh, you know, my ancestors are helping me. But isn't that just, you know, human beings used to made up religion, God, all human beings make up all kinds of things. Well, uh, you know, that's true. Um, And that's, I think, out of the many, many thousands of people who I've trained, that's the the basic question that comes up in a Western uh, culture is, am I making up my spirit helpers? Am I making up the information that I receive? And I think that for me, what really keeps me so drawn to my um, shamanic practice is the surprise element that comes in where the answers that I get when I actually journey and talk to the animal spirits who are around me or the the gods and goddesses who I've had access to, those human teachers, as Marie talks about, um, 
There's no way I could have made up that information. Um, the wording is different than the wording I would use. The perspective is such a shift from anything that I could have uh, made up on a personality level. When I work with clients and to go back and see exactly what they wore at the age of five when they had a trauma and the stuffed animal that they were holding and the room that they were in, those are things I can't make up that um, I've been able to um, have access to by my own spiritual practice. And then even being able to access that spiritual wisdom that lives inside of me that might be beyond my helping spirits. When I'm out in nature, the perspective that's coming through, like even just today, I'm I'm kind of going through a bit of a challenging time in my life, and I felt that um, maybe my mind is too in the way to actually do a formal journey or meditation to a helping spirit. Maybe I could access um, that same information from a clearer space if I take a long, nice walk in nature. So I went out, you know, to my favorite place where I walk every day, and the wisdom that started just pouring through from my helping spirits as I was able to step away, whether it was my helping spirits or from that inner place inside of me, of such a shift of perspective that I could never make up. And so, you know, the basically what I tell um, all the people who I train in, in shamanism and have been training around the world for 30 years is that shamanism is based on results. It's not just about, oh, that was really nice information. It was, did you get information that worked? Did you get information and guidance that changed your life and changed your client's life when you performed um, shamanic healings on them? And so it's all about proving it to yourself of of learning th uh, through experience trust comes from experience that this information came from either a deep well within or these amazing helping um, spirits who are around us who are so willing to give us uh, guidance and who love us so much and what's the nature of that information and how does it work in your life? And and so for many of us, we've been on this path for so many years because it is beyond what we could make up. Um, the, the, the system, the information, the guidance keeps proving itself to us. And we learn how to develop a sense of trust through our experience. Trust comes from experience. Marie, anything to add to that? Yeah, I, you know, I, I think your comment, Tammy, is, is really accurate in terms of what a lot of people feel and what they worry about. And my comment is, who cares? Who cares if it's a pillow talking to you, a wall, a lamp, a being that you supposedly imagine next to you? As long as you're getting accurate, helpful, useful information, it doesn't really matter. All of it is source, you know, higher levels of consciousness and awareness. And, and when you can step out of the way and detach from all what you think are the rules or how things are supposed to be, then you really allow yourself to and that the wisest possible information that is so surprising and shocking that there's no way you could know that about another person if you're working as a practitioner or information that can be revealed to you personally that sets you free from, you know, years of worry or pain or disappointment. Um, I, I just think that that's irreplaceable to have those moments that are so aha informing and so freeing at the same time that it doesn't really matter how it comes um I, I don't think there's any rules about it and when people try to make rules i think they really limit themselves from this extraordinary unseen world that is around us and near touching us and deeply within and outside of us all the time i'm wondering if you've both received information that's turned out to be wrong and if so, how you've made sense of that? Because I mean, I'm sure you could each tell me remarkable stories. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm sure you could of, yes. you know, healings that happened and things that you saw and learned about people and, 
you know, lottery tickets. I don't know exactly the details, <laughs> but I'm sure you both have remarkable stories like that. I'm curious, have you ever had experiences where you got what you thought was clear information that just turned out to be factually wrong? Well, I think of my own personal life, I can say that I have. And I, I, I think that there are um, a few different perspectives that really help me um, to make sense of, of what that's about. For one is our future is created from our present. And so sometimes when we get information, um, things change as our present uh, changes, as each moment of our life, as we go through the day, we might make a decision in in a day that might change the future where uh, our guidance might have been showing a different path coming around the corner to us, but a change happened because of a of something that shifted in our present. Also, one of the things that I really teach and I know people really struggle with and, and I've had my own issues with this in my own life is that the spirits love to communicate through metaphor. Um, and the reason for this and all spiritual information, when you go into any spiritual text, everything is written as metaphor. The Bible is written as, as metaphor. All the ancient texts are written as metaphorical stories. And so um, the helping spirits also are trying to get us to broaden our perspective and to evolve and so they share information on many, many different levels um, for us. And, and, and oftentimes, again, as a, from a personality perspective, we want a literal interpretation. So when we're journeying for ourselves, maybe not for another person, but when we're journeying for ourselves, we might start to make literal associations with storytelling that our spirits are giving us. And it's not that they're not being accurate. It's the interpretation of what I might have done with the story that might um, not be as accurate as if I really opened up on a much broader perspective. And then um, the other thing that's really tricky is so many of us start to ask uh, questions that have to do with when things are going to happen. And to be to be honest with you, I have never really heard of anybody who could accurately predict the future. You know, prophecies are off plus or minus a few hundred years. Um, there might be a mystic out there who can um, accurately predict one event, but one event out of a hundred. Um, so I think it's really tricky um, uh, trying to predict any kind of future event because of the timing aspect. Uh, when we work spiritually, we're working outside of time. Uh, we're also working with metaphorical information and on a, personal, a personality level, we always have to ask ourselves what's the deeper meaning instead of taking things too literally and also realizing that our future changes as our present changes. So shifts always keep happening and nothing is really written in stone. Marie, your experience? Yeah, I would agree that it's about the interpretation, not what spirit is telling us, but how we interpret it. And um, I prefer to be as accurate as possible in my work. And of course, personally as well, my kids ask me questions all the time. Um, and certainly I have been wrong personally and professionally in terms of what I predicted from the translation of what I heard or what I saw um, and metaphors. I remember this one particular time. Luckily, it's not very often, thank goodness. But even if it were, I know that that would be something um, to embrace and to um, dive into and to get curious about. Uh, I remember this one particular time years ago, I had a young man come to see me. I say young because... Um, it, at that point, he seemed quite young to me. Uh, he was probably in his um, early 40s, and he had been previously diagnosed with a brain tumor, a blastoma. And um, unfortunately, that particular type of tumor tends to be terminal, not always. 
And uh, he and his wife came to see me. This is probably eight or nine years ago. And because I worked in oncology, a lot of cancer patients come to see me. Probably 45% of my clients are quite ill. The rest, not so much. Just wanting to have more personal information about their lives and maybe preventive work through energy work. And um, he, he just looked, he was glowing in bright light, just absolutely stunning. And... Uh, he had just finished a complete treatment that there was no tumor left um, from his PET scans and his MRIs. And from an intuitive perspective, I thought he's good to go. Wow, this guy's going to make it. I had never met anyone who had survived a blastoma in my nursing career. And um, I, I was confident about it and thrilled. And he went off in the world after his one and only energy session with me. And then he came back two years later with um, a tumor growth, again, in the same area of his brain. So the cancer was growing back. And he still just looked so vibrant to me and so alive that I was just convinced that he was going to survive his illness. I even told his family that. I mean, I was confident about my um, perception. And clearly, after a while, I mean, you didn't have to be a psychic to know that he was probably not going to survive his illness. He started to have, you know, physical characteristics of not doing well. His body was failing. And I remember feeling so terrible, you know, like I had failed this family. I'd given them wrong information. They were actually incredibly gracious and sweet and kind about it. And um, we continued to work together. I gave a little talk at his memorial. And afterwards, one of his friends came up to me because I was so curious about my, you know, my a lack of the ability to translate the information properly. And one of his closest friends came up to me after the talk or the, the lovely memorial and said, you know, when my friend got sick, that's when he really began to live. And, and I, it was at that moment, I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I was seeing him as his body was deteriorating. You know, that's when I came into his life, but his life force, his essence, his happiness, that's when it turned on. Um, and he, in fact, I was actually with the family when he passed and it was probably one of the most conscious passing I had ever seen. I've been at the bedside of hundreds of people passing away and it, he was very alert and aware. Um, so, so that was a comfort to me, not that I should have needed to be comforted, but I did. It was um, just a comfort to, wow, he was more alive in his dying than he had been when his body was well. I thought that was fascinating. So you're interpreting that the, the message that you received was about the quality of aliveness that he had in yeah. his, his being, but not necessarily right. his physical body. Well, because well, we're dying all yeah. the time, you know, and, and mm -hmm. death can be one of the most healing and amazing experiences that anyone can go through anyway. And, and hopefully that's what we're working on in our consciousness here on human earth is to be alive in our death, you know, so that we can um, transform the fear that we have about this type of dying. So, yeah, I think that the metaphor that if I, you know, had had the the understanding or the comfort or um, the relaxation when I looked at my metaphors that... He was perfectly alive the way he was, and, and it wouldn't matter, you know, how long he lived in his physical body. I, I always teach my students, um, never ask the question, is, are you or is a client going to live or die? Because in order to heal, we have to die. So if you actually go to a helping spirit and ask if a client who has cancer is going to uh, die, the helping spirit, if they actually give an accurate answer, is going to say yes. <laughs> because um, even if the person uh, lives, they have to die on some level in order to heal. And so I, I found um, through my experience that I really have to caution people who go into a shamanic healing practice because so many clients who have what, you know, would be termed a life-threatening illness come in and say to the shamanic practitioner, could you please ask your helping spirit if I'm going to live or if I'm going to die? And um, you, the information is always going to be accurate uh, if you get the answer, yes, the person is going to die and they live. Um, but you never want to say to a person, I got uh, my intuition or my helping spirit says this is the end of your life. You should prepare 
because that's like planting a seed. And um, in shamanism, we definitely learn that you can curse a person or you can bless a person. So again, I, I try with all the clients who I work with to share metaphorical stories. I don't share literal stories. And I always talk about how um, I'm not privy to certain information, but your own, I'm going to do the healing on you that's necessary to strengthen your own soul so that your own soul can decide what's next in your healing process. Mm hmm. You're listening to Insights at the Edge, produced by Sounds True. We welcome you to learn more about our collection of more than a thousand learning programs and receive two free gifts just for visiting us. Just go to SoundsTrue.com backslash free gifts. That's SoundsTrue.com backslash free gifts. And now back to Insights at the Edge. I'm curious to know from both of you how you work with spirit guides in healing. Are there certain particular guides that come through you when you're trying to help another person? I I would say the room is definitely full. It's a busy, busy room. Um, For me, a lot of times when I'm working with clients, that's when I have medium communications. So, um, when I'm doing one-on-one work, a lot of relatives or close friends, people who are on the other side actually enter the room, um, especially those who can offer the most advice or help or um, invoke some sort of healing through um, talking about past hurts or pains. So that tends to be um, a a very big process for me in my healing room um, when I'm working. Um, I I tend to not really uh, look at spirit guides at the time of the healing. I know that sounds kind of weird, but I'm so uh, engrossed in the body, sort of speak, and then family members start walking into the room and um, we begin to have conversation. But as soon as a client asks about their spirit guide or if I recognize one, which they do appear different to me, there's a different frequency between people who are um, who just maybe left life, you know, within the last. Um, it's whatever years for that person's lifetime, the, the person who's alive their lifetime, their loved ones and relatives versus guides that are in their life prior to them coming to earth where they've created this very strong and personal and deep relationship with that's not emotionally built on family or friends. Um, and so then, of course, I work in an engagement um, with them, with their guides. But I spend a lot of time talking to departed loved ones in sessions. Now, I just want to ask one clarifying question there, Marie. You said there's a different frequency between the yeah. departed loved ones and then guides that were there before the person's birth. What's that difference in your experience? It's a little bit higher. There's more neutrality in a being that's a guide who's not related to the person in that particular lifetime, in their present lifetime, um, it, there's just much more neutrality I can see into further like previous lifetimes, perhaps into even deeper wounds about the individual, if that's something I need to look at, um, where the family members are talking about you know, childhood experiences. Uh, I may have access to a previous lifetime during a, a chat about childhood experiences or some other traumas. Um, but yeah, there's a Definitely a finite frequency um, that happens between these two types of beings for me. And you said there's there's a lot of spirit beings in the room. Are your guides yeah. also there? And if so, what are they doing? I'm sure they are. Uh, I generally don't have conversation with them while I'm in session. I know that sounds kind of odd. I do have a couple of things that happen um, that I, I haven't talked about publicly, by the way. This um, is just between us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's fun to share. I think it's fascinating. I do have a, a man who sometimes uh, assists me, who um, his daughter actually, came, who's alive, who came to see me years ago as a client. And I actually met her father at that point. He was on the other side and he came to talk to her. And he um, was a, a, um, a radiologist when he was alive. And so sometimes he comes in my office and 
helps me with difficult cases, especially when I'm talking people to people about options, conventional or otherwise. And, and he has been um, incredibly accurate, or I should say my translation of his language has been incredibly accurate. So I appreciate that. And then I have these two men who've been in my office. Well, it doesn't matter where my office is for the last 14 years since I've been practicing professionally. And uh, they look like a father and son to me. One, if I were to ca- characterize their age, one looks around 50, one maybe like late 20s. And the way that I interpret um, their description of themselves is they call themselves like checkers. I know that sounds like a weird phrase, but what they're doing is they're watching people who are energy workers or healers in the world, and they're monitoring the, their energy system. Are they maintaining health and well-being and balance for themselves? Um, as they also grow and evolve in their abilities to help other people heal. Um, and so they've been in my office for, oh, they were gone for about five years, but they reappeared a couple of years ago. And they actually do research so that we can help um, humans to be more um, efficient in the field and also to remain healthy and whole in their own energy system. So just a couple more questions here, Marie. So when you're yeah. doing a healing session on someone, how many guides would mm-hmm. you say might be in the room at any given time? How many spirit beings? A lot. So at least 20, let's say. There's 20 beings in and out of the room. I may not see all of them exactly at the same time, but they'll come in and out. Um, and you uh, see them visually? Yes, as, as if I were seeing you standing in the room. Is it really just so, like that? Like it's really just me. like that for me. It's that clear. I can see, and, and most of the time they're clothed. Sometimes they're not. So I can see, you know, detail from... Okay, too much information now. I was with you until now, but that's too yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And do you invite them or say an invocation of some kind to, to, to welcome in this group? I don't. I, I, I just have an intention that whatever is in the highest good for all of us, you know, the person on, on my massage table and myself to occur. And um, I learned something at a very young age. My mother, um, who was um, deeply spiritual, she's, I mean, she still is, she's living. But when I was young, is I run a, like a constant flow of white light throughout my whole body and really wherever I am, my home, my car. Um, not, uh, I don't think of it in terms of uh, protection. I think of it in terms of just uh, being in the loving grace of creation. So that's the only thing I really do. Um, okay, so you know, if there were 20 human beings in a room, it could get pretty yeah. crowded and noisy and chaotic. And you know, <laughs> yeah. here you are trying to have a healing session on someone. How do you know uh, how to manage that? I think that they're incredibly respectful. Obviously, they know what's going on much more beyond anything that I know that's going on in the room. So it's, it's actually very calm and peaceful and loving and gracious. It's, it's an incredible experience. Okay. Sandra, your experience working with spirit guides in healing. Well, mine is actually quite uh, different than that, which is wonderful. We all have different pieces of the puzzle. I've been working with the same spirit helper since 1980 in all of my sessions. And basically, that's the only um, spirit that I work with. I do, uh, depending on the healing method that I'm doing, if I have um, a client who's come to see me who has a particular kind of illness that would um, show itself as a spiritual block uh, in the person's body, I have another spirit which will come in and assist in actually removing uh, that particular block. But I've been working with a particular guardian spirit for 33 years, and it's um, the two of us, um, and that's it. Um, We don't invite in any other spirits. And I think that for me, the the importance of it, you know, because everybody has their own way of working, and everybody has to find what works for, for them and brings good results. For me, because I've been working with the same spirit in partnership for 33 years and I have seen the results that I have gotten, I can really trust um, the information that's coming through and the healing that's coming through as I do my sessions. Um, And so he can tell me very odd, bizarre things and and. You know, I might be taken aback, but 
I also know I've been working with him for over 30 years and he hasn't steered me wrong. So I could really allow myself to settle and to trust into that. You know, at some point I might um, return to a person or bring back to a person their helping spirit who will restore power and vitality into their life. But I, I work in partnership with one guardian spirit who I really trust um, and I trust the information and the healing that comes through. Um, even though I give a form to that particular guardian spirit, um, I'm really working with the power of the universe, the divine, <clears throat> excuse me, the divine, which is unlimited. So bringing through that divine energy for healing in a session, but when I'm actually accessing information, and I'm more clairaudient than clairvoyant, which means I hear, I don't see um, very much um, spiritually, I hear, and I trust what I hear, and I, I trust what my guardian spirit shares with me. So we're a real team um, in our work, and um, it's it's a great team. Now, I'm, uh, I'm going to put you both on the spot because I, I kind of can't help myself, which is uh, what, here's what I'm curious about right now in this conversation. So right here in this conversation, do you have the sense that you are working with or partnering with a spirit guide that is contributing or influencing in some significant way what you're saying here as we're talking? Mm -hmm. It's a really great question. I, I think that when you allow yourself to be connected to wisdom, which we all have the capacity to um, be connected to wisdom, you do really feel surrounded by support or companionship. Um, there is like this light source that definitely comes in through the top of my head that I believe gives me, at least I hope anyway, more clarity in what I'm hearing, feeling, and seeing beyond the physical and, and so in that way, I would say that, that it, it's helpful. It's helpful for me to have a realm of experience as I'm communicating to an audience, if you will, and also connecting to you, Tammy and Sandra. Um, but I don't know if it's exactly in the way that you are implying. Mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I, it's not a, it, it's like an, an opportunity. It's like an option. It's like a worldview. And when you allow yourself to be in that grace, like when Sandra was talking about having the divine in her workspace, because that's really what it's like when you're working in a healing perspective, or I'm sure many of the other things that she does, there's this divinity that you feel, um, uh, your, your own energy and your own frequency increases in such a large capacity that there becomes this magical worldview that allows you more options in terms of what you do want to speak about and what you want to connect to and what you want to convey and, and also what you want to experience in the moment for yourself. I think for me, um, when I'm teaching, I what I do when I teach workshops is I actually prepare my opening sentence, just that opening sentence. And once I can get that out, um, another spirit is coming through. I, I work with the Egyptian goddess Isis, and she just starts coming through. And I really feel myself step away, and I, I really feel her teaching, whether it's in a workshop where people are physically present or a webinar, all of a sudden I feel myself go away and, and she comes through. But in a conversation like this, Tammy, where you're, you're actually asking um, personal questions of me or of my personal experience or how I as Sandra experience the spirits, um, I know that my spirits are around me, but it doesn't mean that they're going to speak through me because um, the questions that are being directed towards me are being uh, directed to Sandra more than the spirits themselves. I don't know if that Well, now sense. the dialogue's opening up. I mean, you know, I didn't know how many people I could, or beings I could call forth Talk here. To, right. Yeah, exactly. Well, we'll, do, we'll plan that for another time. Okay. <laughs> Now, uh, one thing I'm curious about, Maria, you mentioned how when you're working with someone in a healing room, how they're departed 
relatives can sometimes come forward and offer help. And I'm quite curious about this whole idea of departed relatives, ancestors as guides for us and how you both understand that. Well, I definitely, from my perspective, and that could change, you know, because one of the great things about evolution is you keep growing and changing. Um, But for me, I think guides, personal guides for an individual are that that's determined prior to incarnation. And a lot of our family is already born, you know, our parents and whatnot. And if we have siblings or nieces or nephews, you know, they're going to have their own guides. They're pretty busy in the earth realm, our, our relatives, they don't have time to be guides for us. So to me, those are separate arenas, at least from my perspective. Uh, um, but I do think that the the mediumship, which is, you know, talking to family members who have passed, um, that I, I was so surprised when that happened. It definitely was actually none of this was a plan for me. Um, I didn't intend to have this in my life, although I love it. Um, I'm just still, you know, very surprised and delighted and grateful how much love and healing occurs from loved ones who are on the other side, even great aunts or uncles or a neighbor uh, who can bring about information that you know, I would know, have no idea of knowing, but yet touches the heart and the soul of the person who's um, on the table in such a way that they're able to let go of a block or start to make strides to, towards releasing a defense mechanism so that they can have a more whole um, effect in their life. Now, Marie, just to go a little further with this, because you hinted that this mediumship or this contact yeah. with dead relatives happened to you in a certain way? What what happened? How did that emerge? Well, at first kind of uh, my living room, which where I'm, the camera is actually looking into my living room, I consider it my most sacred room in my house. And uh, I was just sitting on my couch one day and I had already begun to have multiple multisensory experiences and um, a little like sign that you would stick into the ground, you know, like a poster with a stick showed up on this little grassy area in, f- in front of this um, southwestern exposed window. And it said that it told me that I was going to be talking to departed ones. It literally was written out um, that I was going to be talking to departed ones and that they were all learning um, how I work. And so in other words, just like how Sandra says she's really auditory, she has a strong auditory sense, people on the other side being spirit guides, departed ones, whatever language we want to use to describe these incredible um, you know, beings in our lives, they look at how we work. It's, it, I was told that they actually, they look almost like at a transcript to determine how um, a healer or an intuitive works with their clients so that they can provide the best possible link to us or um, to, to novices. People can certainly help their family members who haven't even um, studied professionally. Those moments have certainly happened to other individuals. So they link up to us in a way um, where they can provide the best way that we can interpret information. Um, and, and so that's how it all started for me. And I thought, okay, I must be just having a really odd experience. And, and then I actually had an experience while, while I was working in a hospital where I had my first encounter with a patient's wife. I mean, a mother, excuse me, who um, had passed over on the other side. And so that was the first one that I had. Okay. And just a one, one more question about this. So someone's dead relatives appear. Do they always have helpful and good advice? I mean, often when we're alive, our relatives are not particularly helpful or, you know, they're not right. the people we would go to <laughs> right. to get advice about what to do. Well, I think sometimes that's what makes it interesting. Like some people are hoping that a certain relative will come across, but that person may not have the awareness or the consciousness, even though they're not in a body any longer. I think some people think that when you leave your body, you reach this instant nirvana. My experience has been um, through talking with people who have passed is that whatever we weren't what we hadn't finished working on, excuse me, in physical form, we still have to continue working on in non-physical realities. And so sometimes it's not always the person that, you know, like maybe they want their mother to come, but their mother has to work on maybe more aspects of unconditional love. So their uncle shows up who can pass on a healing message that sometimes is easier to heal from 
and to hear that from a relative that you don't have a lot of emotional connection with. So I never know who's going to come through. Luckily, through my physical description of them, even their personality, and sometimes I do know exactly how they're linked into the family, the person on the table is able to identify the person I'm seeing and communicating with. And Sandra, your experience working with dead relatives, ancestors, etc., as spirit guides. I have to laugh because when you talk about, do you talk to dead people or working with dead yeah, yeah. relatives? I don't know. I don't, I'm not quite sure what language to use. But yeah. <laughs> well, at one time I told my mother um, that I talked to my uncle who was deceased. And she's, this was um, over 25 years ago now. She really loves my work and she has her own helping spirits. But at the time, uh, she said to me, do you talk to dead people often? And I thought she was actually genuinely interested in my work. <laughs> and I said, well, actually, I do. And after I hung up, my brother calls me up and says, Mom is coming out to put you in a mental institution. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just cracked up when you said that. But, um, you know, there there are so many different levels. I, I talked to the departed um, in in some similar ways uh, to Marie, um, sometimes when I'm working with a client who might have advice, but I really love working with ancestor spirits, and and there are different kinds of ancestral spirits that I work with. Um, you know, our ancestors really care about um, our health and well-being. Um, and, you know, just through biology, they pass down so much um, uh, to us. They sacrifice so much so their descendants could have a good life. And so ancestors are <clears throat> really wonderful helping spirits to work with because they really care so much about what happens to you. And being able to call them in for support or, or guidance is something that I really feel is important. And then also, I'm very aware of helping ancestors that live on the land uh, where we live and where we travel to and where we do our work. And I found as a teacher of shamanism that my workshops went in a, in a smoother way. I had more support from the weather, um, whatever was going on. If I would immediately, either before I got there through a journey or once I got to the place where I was teaching, introduce myself to the ancestral spirits of the land who really love the land so much and are very protective of the land and, and introduce myself and say, I'm bringing a group of people, an open-hearted group of people who want to learn how to live um, a healthier way of life and in balance with the earth and, and all of life and to do good work for others in the world. And I found that magically... Um, you know, if a tornado was coming, all of a sudden uh, it wouldn't be there during a fire ceremony or we weren't getting rained out or people were able to make their flights. And, and I really noticed over 30 years the only difference of when I had smoother experiences was when I introduced myself to the helping spirits, the helping ancestors of the land and um, asked for their permission that we come and, and do this work. And so there are different levels of, of ancestors that I work with, the ancestors of a place. And then also um, I try to help people get in touch with their helping ancestors who really care about um, the present, but also their future health and their success, whether it's work or in their life or, or in their happiness. And then, um, as Marie was talking about, there's the recently departed or a great aunt or a great, great grandmother who might also come through at a very critical time in a session or at the point of death. Um, you know, I've always experienced at the time of death that um, helping ancestors or loved ones or um, a neighbor who was very close to the person or a friend will come to help that transition. And so I think that there's um, so much help, so much love, so much support that we can get from the ancestral spirits, whether they're our personal ancestral spirits or they're the ancestral spirits of the place where we live. 
So I just have a two final questions and this penultimate one. It's kind of a big question, but you can each just give me your real, uh, the pith response here, which is, as I've been listening to you both, there's, there's quite a lot of complementarity and overlap, and yet you clearly also have different experiences and different ways of relating to the spiritual realm. And I'm curious to know from each of you what your working model is, if you will, of life. If you have a sort of what your, yeah, what your, do you have one, like a working model, like this is the multidimensional, whatever, this is sort of my working model of life. I, I mean, I don't know if this is exactly what you're looking for or not, but yeah, I, I have um, a working model for myself um, to be present as much as possible. Even when you're looking at multiple dimensions, you can feel your feet in your shoes or like right now, as I'm speaking to an almost blank screen looking into a camera, um, I'm feeling the cushion that I'm sitting on. I think being present so that you can thoroughly enjoy the moment is huge. I think it's gigantic. It allows um, me to not worry about the past or the future. It allows me to really enjoy my family, my clients, no matter what kind of day I'm having, no matter if it's incredibly spectacular or for my personality seems mundane or boring or a disaster. You know, if I can be present and really enjoy every aspect of my moment. And there's so many layers to the moment. You know, even as I'm thinking about that and looking in this camera, I'm noticing this beautiful light next to me that has these gorgeous crystals that hang from it and this old-fashioned wood table that the computer's sitting on. That It allows me, I think, to feel the most alive that I can be if I can just be present. And I, I think it takes conscious effort. And um, that is definitely my model for my life and whether that's professional or um, personal. Sandra? I think for me, my working model, and it's definitely a work in progress, is to keep experiencing um, the divine part of myself, that um, who I am beyond the skin, which is uh, spirit. So to keep moving, um, I am a personality and I came here to experience a range of a range of emotions, but I also am a spiritual being and to tap into that place of oneness and that divine um, light and and be a vessel of unconditional love in the world right now, which is what we really need. And at the same time, to really deepen and cultivate my own inner world and, and not be so attached to the outcome of what's going on in the material world. And that um, happiness and health and what I would call wealth or success or prosperity, it all lives within. Nothing is what I'm seeing outside of myself. It's all an inner state that I need to keep learning like a beautiful garden, how to keep cultivating and feeding and and taking out um, the plants that no longer serve the garden anymore. So the, the two aspects that I continue to work on, um, that's a real work in progress in my working model, is who I am um, beyond the personality, that spiritual part of myself, that divine part of myself, while at the same time cultivating um, my inner life and that inner garden so that I feel that I feel joy inside of myself, health inside of myself, success inside of myself, and, and it's not about what's in the outside world around me. Mm-hmm. You both gave such beautiful answers. Thank you. Okay, my final question. <laughs> Someone's listening to this. And they're thinking, I would like to open more to spiritual guidance. I would like contact with the spirit guide. I've never had it. I'd like to deepen the contact that I do have with spirit helpers. What would be your, you ready for this? Your number one piece of advice. Number one. Ooh. Do you want to go first, Sandra? Sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's easy for me. Set your intention. Intention is everything. Uh, let the spirits know your intention. You want to meet them. Um, you want to learn how to improve your life, and you're looking for the guidance of how to do that. Set your intention, and and that will um, open the path. Oh, I love that. So maybe if you add that with um, <laughs> maintaining a vibration, you know, frequency is very important. The spiritual realm vibrates at a different frequency than the earth realm. And so if we can heighten our frequency through awareness or compassion, joy, um, then it's much easier to connect to the unseen world, whether we see it, hear it, or feel it, or have some sort of awareness of it, its existence, frequency within our own body energy is a profound, um, important aspect. Thank you both so much. I've been speaking with Marie Monasheri and Sandra Ingerman. Thank you both. Thank you for Thank your you. Yeah, openness, Thank you. love. Yeah. It's great to uh, hear people coming really rooted in your own life experience and being so open to each other. It's really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, with Sounds True, Marie Monasheri has published a book on intuitive self-healing as well as an audio series on how to communicate with your spirit guides. And with Sandra Ingerman, we've published a book on The Shamanic Journey, A Beginner's Guide. And also along with Hank Wesselman, she's created a book called Awakening to the Spirit World, along with many audio programs and several online courses, including an online course on experiencing the shamanic journey. SoundsTree.com. Many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening.